Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, Where Incarnate Memories Prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Imp Nation, we're back. And we're back with one of my besties, my BFFs of all time, Courtney Page Farrell. What's up, T-Ski? What's up, girlfriend? How are you? I'm awesome, man. I'm excited to be here. Um, Tom, for a moment, just for one minute, what you're doing is amazing. This is so cool. The other day I was driving and I finished listening to Cole Kelly, which if I didn't already love him, I love him 50,000 times more now, just listening to his story and his humbleness and his amazingness. And then I put on Ryan Hargraves, and I think my face almost split in half from smiling, just hearing his voice, just hearing him be like, what's up? What's up? Ah. It's just the best. It's the best. Thank you for doing this. Well, the best thing about Cole wasn't actually the stories about Cole. It was actually about his dad suggesting that the reason to go to UVA was the girl he saw on the lawn who was wearing a bathrobe. That was the reason why. I, which makes you just love his whole family. I, I mean, love I, I love it. Everything about it. Everything from admitting that golf is not a sport. I mean, if you don't love, if you don't love Cole already, he's admitting that the varsity sport he played was actually not a sport. It's an activity. He's the best. Gosh, that was so funny. So you are my like go-to for all things. I call it the, what would Courtney do? So every time I have uh -oh. kind of like family stuff going on, life stuff going on, work stuff, I'm like, okay, who could I call? Who's not going to sugarcoat it? Who's going to tell me when I'm wrong? That's you. So you're like my like most dynamic friend that I have that you, there's probably not a topic. Maybe soccer would be the only topic I wouldn't trust you on. But there's besides soccer, everything else I would like when you say it, it's like the heavens coming down above and saying, Tom, you should do this. And that's what you do for me, Courtney. You're the best. Is, is that why your life is so messed up, Tom? Yeah, I got issues I'm you do you gotta see someone that's right i'd see you know i need i need to not just one person i need to like a lineup of like psychiatrists to just line me up for all the different issues that i have going on gosh it didn't seem like it was that hard back in college i didn't think that i, I only needed the one sports psychologist now i need like 20. tell you what i love i love so much that you start out with from nowhere to to here the thing that makes me laugh is like from nowhere to nowhere, but we're here. <laughs> Got it. The, the, this implication that you made it. I, Tom, I'm here on this podcast to tell everyone I have not yet made it, 
I'm really excited about making it. I don't know what making it means, but um, I'm really excited to get there one day, wherever that is. I think I'm still in nowhere, which is one of my favorite places to be. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I've been thinking about the podcast and I've been saying to myself, is it authentic, right? Or is this just like another like Facebook endeavor where everything's good, everything's perfect, everyone's great. So it's funny, I've been thinking of how do I get more in-depth in my questioning to ask, hey, like what's not going right? Um, or what's been a challenge, right? And those sort of questions. So maybe we'll get to that today because you're like the, you're the one. Poster, I'm the poster child for what does not go right. Just kidding, I'm no, joking. You're, you're the most transparent, that's why. And you would be a good person to try this out on. And if I crash and burn, then the next person will never have to be subjected to such a question, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. So not to put any pressure on you, but let, let's see how it goes. No pressure. So, all right, give me the scoop. You're at Episcopal High School. You're running all over God's creation because you're a track freak. And you then decide to go to UVA. What so, happened? Were you just on one of your runs from like from Episcopal and you passed UVA on the way and on the way back, you thought about, oh, that might be a cool place to go to school. <laughs> How did that work out? So, Tom, I went to St. Catharines and St. Christopher's. I didn't end up at Episcopal until I married Wordy and we went and lived there for seven years when he was Dean of Students there. Oh, I got so, the name of the high school wrong. Yeah, it doesn't I'm, matter. It doesn't matter, I'm so I was in Richmond. And, and you know what? The only way that I made it to UVA was because of some kind of magical divine luck and maybe pixie dust and maybe, I have no idea because I was not one of these people who was sitting around making lists of colleges to go to at all. It wasn't like, you know, a bunch of drunk people in one place was good enough. There's a bunch of drunk people in another place. And I, uh, I was just going through the college process like any athlete where Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday nights, the coaches call you and you talk to them and, you know, you have no idea what's going on. You're like, ah, someone from UNC called me and you talk to them for a little while. And I talked to someone from Wake Forest. I really didn't like that, like that conversation much because they kept calling cross country cross. And I didn't, I didn't understand why they were doing that. I was like, it's cross country. I can't go to Wake Forest. They don't call it cross country. This was the scientific process I took to pick a college. So UVA called me one night and said, the track team, the track coach called and said, hey, listen, we have a spot for you. Do you want to come be on our team? And I said, well, do, you, do I need to make my mind up right now? And they said, well, you got 24 hours. And I said, well, will I get in if on my own? you know, without running. And they said, no. I said, okay, I'll talk, I'll talk to you the next 24 hours. And then I wanted to see if you and see, like, were there any other colleges that this is, this was like the, the window. So I called UNC and said, Hey, um, d- is there a spot for me on your team? And they said, we don't know yet. We don't know. And so I hung up the phone and that night UVA called and I don't know how this worked exactly. Maybe UNC called and said, we do have a spot for you. And then on the other line, UVA called and I had the littlest phone etiquette that I actually clicked over and took UVA's call. And in that moment, I thought, you know what? If I were putting this in dating terms, UVA asked me to come and wants me and UNC had to be called to say, Ken, will you take me to the dance? So I'm gonna go with UVA. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. UNC, gosh. Forget them. 
Yeah, damn, That's they're not, arrogant. Come on. And I actually got a rejection letter from UVA four months later in the mail. I walked to the mailbox. I've got a thin little letter and I opened it up and it said, Courtney, thanks. Thanks so much, but no thanks. And just to go to show you about where nowhere is in my heart, I was like, it'll all work out. I don't know how it'll all work out. I never got it. I never got an acceptance letter to UVA ever. And I was actually kind of cool because I always thought like, you know what, girl, you're lucky to be here. Just never forget it. You are lucky to be here. You didn't even get accepted here. You just come on. Well, that's how it happened. We we actually are having an intervention with you on the call on the here today. <laughs> Do you need my diploma back? Yeah, the we, it, I don't know really how to put this to you, but you never really got into Virginia, and we felt bad. So you were really just auditing all these classes, not in going towards any degree. So you're actually not like a graduate right now. I know that's hard for you. <laughs> Is that why I wasn't on a dorm? That was weird because when I checked out, they gave me a really long bill. It was crazy. So, you know, it's funny. You were talking about Wake Forest calling it cross. Yes. The only thing that can go through my immature mind is I'm thinking of the group crisscross because it, we were talking about the other day I posted on Facebook. Uh, I was driving in the car to go get my morning caffeine and I heard a song by Naughty by Nature um, uptown oh, yeah. anthem and you know i was in charge my big uh claim to fame at uva was making the mixtapes for the soccer parties right there Which, by the way were amazing we'll get to that right and i mean i hate to toot my own horn but i i really kind of good that, i was really not good i was amazing at it like really like possibly the best mixtape maker in the history of uva soccer parties so, you know, it's funny, like, so I think of Wake Forest and now every time I see Wake Forest, I'm going to think of the group Criss Cross. And for those of you who are listening who don't know who Criss Cross is, go and Google that one. And uh, it, we're guaranteed for a laugh, guaranteed. The, there was nobody in the world more ready to go to college than I was. And in fact, I have my ID, you know, that you get to school and you, they get you to take that picture, that picture ID. I look like I'm about to take a bite out of the peach of the world and let it run down my face. It is the most like wide open, come hither. I am, I'm ready to take this baby down. Look in my eye. And I can remember uh, October 31st, it was Halloween. And my roommate, Lisa Summers and I went out for the night and we heard that there was a soccer party and we walked onto JPA. There was this house, I'll never forget, turning down the street. And this house actually was moving with the beat of the music. Every time they, the house would jump to the left and jump to the right. And I remember thinking in my mind, I have arrived. Like my life is about to start. As soon as I walk through this door, it is all going to begin. And it did. It did. It was, the, it was probably the best introduction to what a true party is supposed to be and i guess i have you to thank for that for that soundtrack for that jumping house all i did was bring long island to charlottesville that's all i did (laughs) it's very you know it was i came from very humble beginnings and i became a rock star dj in charlottesville over four years a god of your own making 
Yes, in my own mind, a God of my own mind. Yes, okay. but you, you have to understand, you changed, you personally changed people's lives that night. That well, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you, I mean, you probably had lots of parties. You probably can't remember this one, but do you know the house I'm talking about on JPA? Of course I remember the house. How could I forget that house? Are you kidding me? What I don't know, but it should, it should be like, it should be cordoned off and it should just sit there as a monument to how parties and life should actually be in school. I don't think parties happen like that anymore. Honestly, I don't. I think people are too serious now. I don't think there's there's the, the letting go at that level. Yeah. And I'm so speaking of letting go, I'm wondering how many people have shut off this podcast, hearing us go back and forth about Tom's DJing prowess. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. If you left already, screw you. Like, <laughs> That's I, right. See you later. I guess you're not even here to listen to that. So pass that along to anyone. Okay. So, so Tom, you got to UVA. Uh, Lisa, was she your first year roommate? And what dorm were you in? We were in Bonnie Castle and she was, and that was, I don't know who put that combo together, but it was a perfect combination. She is, you remember Lisa Summers. Oh my God. She, yeah. She's yeah. about the most wide open, delightful, excited, happy, joyful person that ever the world created. And she has 150% impish qualities about her. And it was awesome. So we get there first day, first day, Tom. So we were told to go meet our advisors. So I'm walking up, I go into this building. I'll be honest. I was a little that first day I was a little, I wasn't homesick. It was just sort of like a little nervous. And um, I get into this room and my advisor, whose name was Alan Howard, walks in the door and there are a bunch of other kids there too. Pretty cute guy sitting to my left. And um, Alan Howard walks in. He's got on a white button down shirt. And his shirt's kind of unbuttoned, uncomfortably low. He has a little bit of a, a beard, which wasn't necessarily in, in fashion then. He's wearing cowboy boots and a belt buckle. And he says, he comes in, he goes, all right, y'all, um, this is going to be quick. Welcome to UVA. Uh, here's the deal. All of you are going to be here for about four years. And I know some of you will stay a little longer. Some of you will graduate early. But for the most part, you're all going to be here for about four years. And for the most part, you're all going to pay about the same amount of money to go here. Some of you are in-state, some of you are out-of-state, whatever, out in the wash, you're all paying about the same amount of money. And at the end of this experience, you're going to receive a diploma that looks exactly like the guy sitting next to you, only it's going to have your name on it. And he, he stopped for dramatic pause and he said, but here's the deal. Some of your diplomas are going to be worth more than others. And he got up and he walked out of the room and we all just sat there. And of course, in my mind, I was like, ah, oh, I wonder what my diploma is going to be worth. You know, just like, what a great intro to college. What an amazing, incredible introduction to college. It wasn't like, here's where the dorms are and here's where the cafeterias are. And here's, it was just that. Some of your diplomas are going to be worth more than others. That's like a mic drop moment, right? He it was totally, awesome. That's awesome. It was awesome. I got that piece of advice and then I started dating the guy to the left of me. So it worked out really well. That was the perfect little intro to college. That was about... You know, I don't know. I don't know from nowhere to wherever, Tom. I liked the fact that you could take any class you wanted when you were a history major. You could justify that it was the history of something. You could go to architecture school and take an architecture class and say, I need to understand the history of architecture. You could go to the, the 
comm school. You could go to the acting department, any of it. You could take a class anywhere. And I loved that. And I finally figured out. So I've listened to a couple of these podcasts and there's some really lovely people you've interviewed. And a lot of them talk about the fact that they were, you know, getting great grades and knocking the cover off the ball and their academic, you know, just hunger. And I, I think I was hungry for something else. I don't know that I really cared if I brought home an A or whatever. I, I was much more interested in feeling alive. So I would go ask everybody who the best teachers were. Like, who were the teachers that made you feel like you would go to an eight o'clock class? Like, who were the teachers that made you feel like you could come outside of yourself and be just so excited? Who cared what the topic was? And then I would go meet the teacher before signing up for the class. And if I liked their sound of their voice, and they had energy, you could tell they were still in it, then I would take their class. And I didn't care what department they were in. And so I got to take a class, this guy named Martin Haveron, he actually was in the history department. My God, when he taught, he made you feel like you were actually there. And uh, Ed Ayers, Ed Ayers is the most incredible teacher. We're also lucky that we went to a school. Um, you know, of course we got sports psych. That was an amazing class. I think if I was in it with you or Pete Gillen or somebody, and then a Neil Snyder from the, from the comm school, they were just some incredible teachers there that would say things like my, uh, like my advisor, like Neil Snyder in his class in the comm school, it was a leadership class. And he came in and he asked us all what we were willing to die for. And he made us write a paper about what we were willing to die for. It was a really hard paper to write because, you know, the answer in some cases was, you know, nothing. I wasn't ready to die. Dying didn't sound like what I was trying to do. And we came back in the class and he said, here's the deal. You're all dying for something right now. Whatever you're doing right now is what you're dying for. It was such a, another great mind blowing, just like perspective change. So what was the deal with history? What was the deal with any of the classes? I wanted to feel alive. I wanted to meet people who were alive. I wanted to meet people who were excited and who were genuine and open and authentic and wanted to like really share their passion with you and make you feel it. Well, you know, I'm going to stay with the music theme that we had. There was a rapper, or still is a rapper, but he's a, more of an actor now. Common. Have you ever heard of Common? I've never so, heard of Common. I'm not cool like you, Tom. Yeah, like... I am very cool, but this is, this is, he was cooler when I heard him say this and it wasn't in one of his songs. I actually heard him speak at a conference and he said, figure out what you're willing to die for and live that. He must've been like cousins with my teacher. Unbelievable. So basically by transitive property, you had common as one of your professors. As one of my teachers yeah, right, right there, all because I was a history major. Katie Couric, Tina Fey, and Common the Rapper, all UVA people, obviously. There we go. There we go. So tell me, like, what was fun going on in Virginia? What were you doing? What are some of the stories? I mean, we heard Jonathan Blank roast you on, like, dumping cereal on your head at Brian Hall. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I I've heard it. Highly recommend, not you, but I mean, the rest oh, yeah. of the listeners, you guys should listen to that one. That was good. And that story in particular was worth the price of admission. So give me some good ones. Come on. What do you got for me? Tom, you know what? Though you were the, you were a part of all this. Being a part of the athletic department in the early 90s was was exciting. I mean, every day was a little bit of fun. We had, we had, you know, we ate in McHugh. You had to be there for study hall. Everybody was there. It was sort of like the pre pre-party. We had no... You know, there's something wonderful about being young because you don't have any sense whatsoever. We'd come, we'd finish running. We'd be in a pair of like 
you know, umbros and a sports brawl and roll right into McHugh to eat dinner. Because why would you wear a shirt when you ate dinner? Why would you do that? Why would you put on clothes when you actually walked in to eat supper? Yeah, I think actually the the runners, I think you guys created spandex. And like, that was the first time I had seen spandex. And <laughs> it was like, it, it was an adjustment. It was an adjustment as a young male, just, you know, figuring himself out. It was really like, like a little bit interesting. I think we wore bikini tops to run in. And like, that was just normal. It wasn't even trying that was, we weren't even trying to work it. It was just sort of like, ah, no one did laundry. Just put a bikini top on. You'll be fine. You didn't even know you were like out there putting on a show. You thought you were just coming in to like grab some, like uh, some chicken and some fruit loops. It's Brian Hall. Right. So yeah. It's- yeah. But let's add to the fact that I have a scar on my stomach that looks like I got mauled by a shark. And do you think I even had any awareness of that? I was like, this is fine. Why, why, why would I cover that up? I mean, goodness gracious. I have to remind myself of this as my girls grow up. So I, I have to, I'm going to jump for a second because there are a million and one fun things, but I want to jump for a second just about some imps because there's so many absurd stories. And if this podcast is about anything, it's about the absurd people who are imps. And I was, I was contemplating what it is for all of us. The reason why it's sort of exciting to be able to connect with one another on this. And I think categorically, I can't remember how the how I was brought in, whatever the prank was. I remember Chip Rogers had something to do with it. But again, I didn't think anything, they tried to scare me about something, but I remember inside being like, this'll be, this'll turn out all right. And walking into the Virginian, I still remember the feeling, the way the light in the Virginian felt. It felt like, like, like a butter. It just was such a warm glow of the light and the feeling of everyone in the room. And I think the reason why each of us feels nostalgic about, and really quite frankly, proud and honored to be a part of a organization like the EMS was that none of us, none of us got while we were there, but we were so amazed by the people around us. It's like, oh my God, Tom Hensky. I'm in something with Tom Hensky. Are you kidding me? This is, this is the guy who took his ring and gave it to so that he could do shootout for get the money for the ring said nah, I don't want another ring I have enough ring let me let me take this and do a whole program shootout for cancer let's raise money for cancer I'll use my name and my coolness to raise money for people that is incredible that's always been an incredible thing to me that we you everybody else we get to be in rooms with people who sort of you like left you and all they inspired you and yet nobody was there saying like do you know that that guy's the head of the honor council? Or do you know that that guy, no one cared. You just were excited to be together. Everyone just got to kind of be themselves, come together. And I can remember on one of my birthdays, I got, I came in, in my second year. So I got to spend a lot of time with the imps. And on one of my birthdays, I walked into the room. We weren't in the chapel that day. We were in some classroom. I think the chapel had something else going on. And Charles Way, that totally badass football player good looking he stood up and he sang me happy birthday but he didn't sing like happy birthday he was like happy birthday Courtney. it went on for 10 minutes and i was thinking to myself this is this might be the best birthday of my life right here right now i'm getting serenaded by charles way in front of a bunch of other people i'm just meeting it, it's just awesome 
it was just an awesome, great experience all the way through. And there, you know, some people get, some people have short times with the imps and some people have long times. And I was talking to a bunch of people today. I, I get confused with the time era because I think I was best friends with a guy after I graduated. And so I hung around for a couple of years and then I started dating Wordy at some point and he went to Darden. So I got to hang around for a couple more years in there. So it's a lot of years packed in a lot of really amazing people that come in and out of your life. You know, you don't even realize the financial gain from that you got from that happy birthday, because once Charles went into the NFL, he actually charged $10,000 to sing happy birthday to people. And he was racking it up. And you didn't even know if like, if you, you probably should have just like recorded that. And every year you could have played it on your birthday and you would have been like, there's 10,000, there's 20,000, there's 30,000. If only we had phones back then. I'm actually sort of glad we didn't because that would have gotten me in really stupid trouble. So I, it's a good, it's a good miss on $10,000 to not have the, the lawsuits and proof mm. from the, from the phones. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Okay. Bro. So Havelcheck, everyone's talking about Havelcheck. I got a great one. So we're in somebody's house. It's a, it's an imp meeting. We're in somebody's house. We were talking about ta- uh, bringing Barton Dick in. I remember this, Andrew Dosh is sitting there, Havelcheck, a bunch of other people were on somebody's basement. And of course, everyone's having fun with the fact that Barton Dick's name is Barton Dick, because that's funny. I don't care who you are. And Havelcheck tells this story about how when he was in high school, he really liked this girl. I mean, he really, really liked this girl. And he'd do anything to be around her. And, and he's like, they're at the beach and the girls at the beach and everything's lining up perfectly. And all of his buddies sort of dissipate and go away. And it's just Havelcheck and his friend and this girl. And so he's throwing a football to his friend and he wants to make a perfect pass. He wants it to be like this tight spiral. He's going to show this girl he's athletic. He's a stud. And he puts his arm back, gives it all the exertion he can to get that ball through the air. And when he does a little, Little, little toot comes out. <laughs> <laughs> right there Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and what is so what is so fun is to watch Havelcheck tell that story and just dying, just dying. There's no way to cover it up or to have any sort of rebound from it. And can I don't we, know, can we have you don't know Havelcheck, I have no idea if he's good looking or not, but he has the aura of somebody who's good looking. So when he shows up, the energy that he puts in the room, you're just like, I want to be near that guy. I want to get him on an interview and I want him to reenact the toot. I want he's him to reenact to. it. <laughs> he's got to. <laughs> so Barton Dick. So his name is actually Barton Harris now because he became a doctor. So he changed his name to his maiden name because he didn't obviously want to be Dr. Dick. Cause that, <laughs> I mean, that would either be great or not good. So he and I one night, okay. Remember when Scott stadium was redone, they redid it. It's the David A. Harris field at Scott stadium. I guess the Harrisons must've given some money. So they had to do the, you know, they dedicated the field to them. And when they did that, they took the scoreboard down and they put up a new scoreboard. And when they did that, they took the imp sign off. I mean, the, the imp sign that was on the scoreboard was no longer. 
So now there was no imp representation at all when the football games were on television. But the Z was still up in the stadium, which That's really it really annoyed me. I don't, it really bothered me because it meant that there was someone high up in the in the administrative administration who was repainting the Z, but wasn't repainting the amp. So one night, Bart and Dick and I decide that we're going to go into Scott Stadium and we're going to repaint the imp. And in a in a rare moment of preparation. I cut out a stencil, huge stencil. So it would be something that would really show up on television. Got the paint, got the brushes. Barton Dick and I dressed all in black. We found, I mean, I was, I'm, you know, I'm a distance runner. So I can get through small places, right? So we found kind of a divot in the ground where if I got down really, really, really low, we could squeeze underneath the, the gate. We go into Scott Stadium. And we repaint the imp on the sign. And we're about to leave. We have the paint and Barton's like, let's go paint over the, imp, the, the Z sign. We're about to do it. I mean, we're just two seconds away from doing it. And then, thank God, it was like, Barton, let's go. Let's roll. Let's get out of here. We're, 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 we're taking luck by the tail here. We got we to gotta work with it while we have it. So we get out. I go home. I go to bed and wake up in the morning to a phone call from some administrative imp who's like, listen, the AD is furious and wants to know who did this. He wants like, you know, asses on the line. And of course I was like, I, you know, I, that I can understand why he'd want to know that. That would be something I would want to know too. You know, how can I not answer and not lie? So I quickly got up and typed a letter to the AD that basically said, hey, you know, I'm sure it was a shock to wake up this morning, but um, the Z's painted. I'm sure it was an oversight by the administration not to repaint the imp, but, you know, we've done it and blah, blah, blah. And it went down to the athletic department and he was sitting in his office. He got up, walked out of his office. I snuck in, put it on his computer, walked out. He walked back in and never heard from it again. And I was so glad we didn't repaint over that Z because that was my whole argument. That's my whole like stance for why we should not be arrested for breaking and entering and doing some sort of potential vandalism. Although I thought the imp stencil looked pretty good. You'll love the, the uh, interview I had with Carlos when you listened to that. He was uh, his year. They were very big on pissing on the uh, Z's. So they, oh, they were. That's, that's that, good. That, that was like a, a tradition within uh, his year that the, anytime they saw a Z and they were out, they would piss on it. So, um, and had t-shirts made and everything. So it was a coordinated effort. It was great. So <laughs> we, <laughs> and can we go back to one second? Like how great would your rap be if you're a guy at UVA and while you're at school, your name is Dr. Dick. I mean, like, do, do we know what like the, the possibilities are with that? Like you can- <laughs> scary honestly don't you think <laughs> I mean, that, that may be like one step i think what barton is very wise about is that it's just one step it's just one step maybe too far this is my my lasting uva on the on the day of the fourth year fifth barton wore a motorcycle helmet and that right there if you don't love him if you don't love him already you gotta love him now 
Oh my God. He's awesome, man. All right, we're gonna, He's when, awesome. Barton, when we do uh, your interview, we're going to, uh, when I send the email out, we're going to put a picture of you with the biker helmet. I'm sure that that's going to do wonders for your reputation. That's amazing. I would like to say this. He is about as fine as a human being as, as could possibly be. So if you need a doctor, go to Dr. Harris. That's so great. Tom, did you, did you like the dirty joke banquet? No, because I got stressed out about it. Like I liked it when I was there, but the lead up to it was a lot of stress. It reminded me of when I was a little kid in Halloween. I was very self-conscious about my costume that I was wearing to school and it stressed me out. And so I think it reminded me of Halloween where I'm like, oh God, I got to put this thing together. I've got to be on. If the joke isn't good, like I think that's what was going on in my head. I don't know. Sorry to... Sorry to vent. No, and I, I, I mean, the, the joke was, a, it was a serious thing. It was important that you showed up. You had to bring your date and a joke, right? They couldn't be the same thing. And I, I, I think I only went to one. I loved it. I loved it so much. And Jesse Jackson's son came as somebody's date. Is that right? Yeah, Yusuf. Uh, that's right. I can't remember who he came with. Yeah, that's right. So Yusuf came, he told this joke. It might, it might be my favorite joke of all times. I mean, who could, who could know that a joke would just fill your life with so much joy? I've never been able to forget it. I'm going to tell it. So this little boy goes to visit his grandfather, grandparents. And the first day he comes out and he says to his grandfather, you know, his grandfather says, boy, where are you going? He says, granddaddy, I'm going to go catch me some butterflies. And little boy has a big bucket of butter. Grandfather says, you can't catch butterflies with butter. And he says, granddaddy, you watch me. And so the little boy goes away. About an hour later, he comes back and there are butterflies everywhere. They fill in the air. So the next day, the little boy comes out with a big bucket of mothballs. And the grandfather says, boy, where are you going with that bucket of mothballs? And he says, granddaddy, I'm going to catch me some, some moths. He says, boy, you know, you can't catch moths with mothballs. He says, granddaddy, you watch me. Sure enough, two hours later, the boy comes back and the Air is thick with moths. They're flying everywhere, holes in people's sweaters. And the next morning, the little boy comes out with a big bucket of pussy willows. And the grandfather says, wait a minute, boy, let me get my boots. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my. Oh. That is awesome. <laughs> Look, I don't remember what your joke was, and it doesn't matter. All you needed was one good one. All you needed was one good All one. you needed was one good one. But I remember you having a good joke. I think no, you had no. one like. I don't remember me having a good joke, but like back to Halloween, yeah. I actually rebounded in college with my Halloween costume. What were you? I was a kitchen table and I got a big cardboard box from the athletic department. Nice. I put a hole in the middle. I put on top of it, I went to whatever that store was up on 29. I can't remember the name of it, but I got like a paper tablecloth and paper plates and I like glued everything on and my head was the centerpiece, okay? That is awesome. Okay, it was awesome, but there was one little catch. I didn't realize that it was going to be impossible for me to drink wearing that because you can't get your arms around the table. Right. That's right. Or impossible to, to have any um, love connection that evening. Okay. And on the dance floor, you're not bumping and grinding. You're not. That's what I'm saying. You didn't think through that. No, but I, but I thought it, it was very cool, like that one. And then there was a picture that popped up on, on Facebook, like maybe six or seven months ago, 
that one of the athletes posted when I was Pee Wee Herman. And that was the year that he got caught in the um, oh, yeah, movie, the movie theater, theater, um, you know, enjoying. So, um, yeah, so that was the other one. And I had, um, I think it was two athletes, Kim Conway and Adeline, uh, Natalie Annis, who helped get the makeup on me and like do my hair up. And I went to the Salvation Army and bought the right suit. That was a whole thing. So I made up in like big time in college for my Halloween thing, but I don't remember my joke, which means it probably wasn't that good. And I mentally put it on the sideline because it was a traumatic experience for me. Cause no one. <laughs> I think I remember your joke, but I'll tell it to you later. All right. Yeah. Good. Cause my kids might listen to this one. So thanks. Oh gosh. Well, great. I just, Really, really excited. They heard the joke that I told. Kids, don't tell jokes like that. Don't. You shouldn't. That's really bad. Don't do it. <laughs> but if you're going to tell a joke, tell the one that I just did because it's funny. Because everyone will laugh. So um, you've been having a lot of laughs to switch gears a little bit because I want to make sure I get it in. You started your own podcast. That That's I right. Yeah, I did with a guy named the guy named Mason New. We started it this year right at the end of COVID. Um because because COVID was lonely. Let's just be honest. It was lonely, especially for people who like to connect and talk and have authentic, open conversations. So I got together with a great buddy of mine. Um, Mason knew he went to WNL. He did not go to UVA. He would definitely have been an imp if he had gone to UVA. But we, um, we sat down and we're like, listen, we're missing most is conversation where you just when you show up actually trying to surprise and delight the other person, you don't just show up to talk about all the things you're scared about or like when COVID's going to end or all the unrest in the world or the political divide. You show up just to say like, I've got one for you. Hey, Tom, I've got one for you. And you're trying to make the person laugh. Or you're trying to make them feel something. You're trying to make them get excited about the world that we're living in and creating together. And so that's what we do. It's, it's called, I got one for you. And we just have conversation and it's, we're, it's not scripted. We don't cut, we don't edit, we just press go. We have a conversation when it's over, we press stop. And uh, we listen to it once. And if we, la- if we like it, it makes us laugh or cry or feel something, then we put it out there. But you nailed it. It's funny because I've been listening to it. Uh, I first listened to the first one out of obligation because we're buddies. But That's now right. I'm listening to it because I'm a fan, which is probably the ultimate compliment, right? Thank you. Um, but- I love listening to you guys because Mason does sound like he would be an imp. It sounds like a conversation an imp would have with another imp, like border, like cerebral, but not so cerebral, but like insightful, but kind of silly and kind of, all right, great. It gave me like 40 minutes of just a distraction that I needed. I needed that distraction for the day. So I love it. I'm going to put it in the show notes for everyone. If everyone wants to like get to it, it's really good. Really. Thank you. Thank you. Check it out. You know what? You just bring up a really good point, which is um, you've been talking about it a little bit, just this idea of authenticness or just being yourself or being open. Um, and I, I've just been thinking about it because we're talking about the imps and then talking about the what's the difference between an imp and a zoomer. I and mean, they're all great people. Let's be honest. Anybody who is an imp could have very easily been tapped to be a Z, would have been happy to do it right? And vice versa. But um, I think there's an impish spirit about those people who were brought into the imp society, whether they had impishness in them to begin with, or they put their arms around the impishness when they got there. And again, I was thinking about the from nowhere to here. 
And we always think about like growing up, like, oh, I've grown up. I'm not like that anymore. But the fact of the matter is, is I think that the coolest thing is to get older and not lose that impishness, right? Not lose that don't take life so seriously. It's easy to do, especially when you have kids and a husband and a house and a job. It's easy to sort of lose grip of that that piece of us that's just delighted by the world. But that that's really, that's kind of the cool part about your podcast because it reminds us all that that's what's really important. That little, like, that little ticklishness. We weren't there to be serious. We had other things to be serious about. We were there to make each other, like, just have a little joy. And we were there to spread that joy out just a little bit beyond our our group's edges, which I think is so cool. So tell me what happened like afterwards i think you had a stint you graduated you went to hawaii speaking of doing things that uh are unique and fun isn't that what happened what, what, yeah this, this is this is an m story so when i graduated i had i i got a by accident i got a job at eds it was a travesty for everybody involved i got it because i went to the mbi program which is the mcintyre business school and that was sort of a way to prolong college for those of us who didn't know what they wanted to do with their lives. It was a six-week intensive business program. It was a six-week prolonging of, of a good time is what it was. And they asked in a class one day for, like, would someone volunteer to do a mock interview? I was like, I'll do a mock interview. I thought that meant pretend, mock. I thought mock meant pretend. But an actual guy from an actual company showed up. And the company was EDS and there was no internet at the time. So I ran into the development office 10 minutes before the thing and took up this piece of paper. I was like, EDS, electronic data systems, Ross Perot. Oh God, here we go. And just sort of winged the thing in front of the 250 people in the program. And um, afterwards he, he, they gave me this little job. Anyway, I worked for them for a year and a half. And again, how I didn't get fired is a mystery to me, but um after that, I had I had nothing going on. When that kind of finished and wrapped up, I had nothing going on. And I remembered trying to raise some money for the imps. My fourth year, I had talked to a guy named Chris Day. And he had he told me he had this company in Hawaii called Team Unlimited. Turns out Chris Day it was the was the cavalier. He was the guy in the cavalier suit who held the, the Maryland Terrapin up above his head spun him around and then put him on the ground. And when he put him on the ground in front of an entire stadium full of people, the Terrapin's arm kind of got crunked up underneath of him and it broke. And it was the longest standing lawsuit that between, you know, another party and UVA that's ever been had was the one where, where Chris Day took the Terrapin down. So good. So anyway, listen to how great this is. I want to be like this. This is how I want to be. I call up Chris. I've talked to him one time in my life. It is now four years later. I say, Chris, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm Courtney Page. I'm an imp. He goes, oh yeah, Courtney, I remember you. I said, Chris, listen, how many people do you have working for you at your company? He said, I've got about 16. I said, well, how would you like one more? And he said this to me without blinking. He said, hey, Courtney, um, can you do me a favor? What's your, what's your fax number? So I'm like, uh, looking around for my mom's, she had an at-home business. I'm grabbing my mom's fax number. I give it to him and he goes, listen, uh, give me a sec. Just go over and stand next to your, uh, stand next to your fax machine. I'll call you in about 10 minutes. I says, all right. I hang up the phone through the fax 
comes Chris Day's frequent flyer numbers and an airplane ticket to Hawaii, where he brings me over to help him work at his company as an intern. You know, I'm like, you know, I can run. He's just putting on downhill mountain bike racing to tape it for ESPN. I show up there. I, I show up in the Hawaii airport. I have no idea who I'm looking for. There's no Facebook. There's nothing. I'm just standing there in the airport. And here comes Chris Day with his wife. And we jump into a truck. And I stay at Chris Day's house. And I work at the at Team Unlimited. And he teaches me, you know, he takes me under his wing, mentors the mentors me beautifully. It was magical and incredible. We're in this place called Kaaava Valley, which is where they taped Jurassic Park, putting on these downhill mountain bike racing, having this huge stage for the award ceremony at night. Once everyone leaves, we would all get up on the stage and just do karaoke in the middle of this like amazing place. And he, he set up my whole life because on the way home, I guess I was there for two and a half weeks. On the way home, he said, hey, Courtney, when you get home, you need to look up this company. He gave me the name of this company. He said, I think you'd really like this company. I think you'd really like this, this guy who runs this company. And I got home and in the Richmond Times-Dispatch, there was an article about the company he told me about. And I called them up and ended up getting a job there. And I've pretty much worked in that business ever since. I mean, is that amazing? It. It's like only in the world of Courtney. Like this is like for everyone who's listening, I've known Courtney for bazillions of years. Like this is her whole life. It's one random funny story after the next and talk about, you know, from nowhere to now here, right? I mean, nowhere to nowhere. Yeah, but you know what though? That's not just my life. That's the life of people. Like that's Chris Day. Look at what Chris Day did. I call up, I call him up. I try to call him up every couple of years and just say, you know that I owe everything to you. You know that like anything that I've that I get to do in this world, it's because you were kind enough to fly a stranger to come stay in your house and work for you. For I mean, that's incredible. That is incredible. Please, please, one time in my life, let me be that person that can help someone out like that. It'd just be incredible. It's like the ultimate spontaneous move, right? I Especially love it. Coming and the irony is coming from EDS. By the way. Do you have a Ross Perot impression? Like, I would think that everyone who worked for that company would have a good Ross Perot. I, I heard that you have one. I heard that you have a really good one. Yeah, here's now, the now. deal. Here, here's the deal. Like, <laughs> I remember when he was running for president. All I can remember is, here's the deal. I don't know anything about politics, but I challenge any imp to do a better Ross Perot impression than yours truly. Bring it on. Yeah, with- I tell you what, when Wordy and I moved, so I married this super cute and wonderful guy named Wordy Farrell. And um, we moved to Texas because he was head of upper school in an all boys school there. And that Ross Pro's grandkids were actually there. And his family might be the most amazing family, most amazing family. I, I also am not very political. I don't care that that guy, his family is incredible. This just take charge. Don't just don't ask for permission. Go make something good happen. So cool. So tell me, like you were talking about your career and where you were going and where you are now. Like, what the heck are you doing now? I, I... You know what, Tom? I have no idea how to describe what I do. I would love to. I think what I do is keep my creative spirit entertained on a day-to-day basis. I get to meet really fun people. I, I do work with big companies and help them sort of think. I'm a thinking partner. I'm a thinking partner. I like, um, have a lot of energy 
And there's a lot of goodness in the world and a lot of change and good things can happen through corporations. I think that's, they, they've got the money, they've got the, they've got the people um, listening to them. And so we basically go into companies and help them think differently about what it is that they're doing. And also just bring a little, we talk about authenticity. It's just, if most, I don't think I'm a consultant, but I guess it looks a little bit like a cousin to that. But if most consultants are born from a golf golf course, I think the kind of consulting that we do is more born from a nightclub. It's more just like, all right, let's just sit down here. What are we talking about? Let's just have some common sense around it. It's that, but it's lots of things. This is being out in the world. I don't know. I feel like I'm very lucky. I've never felt, not never, but I very rarely felt like I was going to work. You know, I, I just feel like I get to meet someone new and we're going to talk about some cool things and there are going to be some challenges and we're going to put all the puzzle pieces on the table and we're going to try and make a picture out of it. Which is kind of fun. Yeah. And, you know, every corporation and company has challenges just like we do individually, right? Like you and I were talking a couple of days ago about the challenges, right? So, I don't know, like, what do you have going on? What are some of your challenges right now? Who, me? Yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, Gosh, you know what? I've had, if I had to say my biggest challenges, um, I could probably rattle them off. My first year in college, the First person I ever loved got killed in a car wreck. That was a pretty big challenge. That was a tough one. Um, I got the, just the luck of the draw is that I got to get Lyme disease um, a bunch of years ago. And that's a, that's a tough one. That's like a, that's like a stalker date that won't leave you alone. You gotta, gotta do a lot to get rid of Lyme disease for any of you out there who have it. It's, it's quite an adventure. I actually, when I first got it, I started calling people who, um, who have it, who had it just to find out as much as I could about it. And this one girl said to me, cause I was feeling kind of sorry for myself. And this one girl said to me, um, you know, you're really lucky. And I said, I'm sorry, what? She said, you're really lucky. You're really lucky that you have this. And I said, wow. I said, I'm an optimist, but I need you to explain that to me. I want you to like, just please take me through why you're saying that. And she said, because this is really prevalent and a lot of people have this and they don't know it and you're going to know what it is now and you're going to know how to take care of it. This isn't something that's going to sneak up on you later in life. You're going to, you're going to understand how to take care of yourself and understand how to be healthy. And it's going to be a hard journey to do it, but you're really lucky that you're getting this chance when you're young enough to have the energy to actually fight. So that's a big one. And the other challenge, and this came from Lyme stuff is I, I got a massive concussion um, which, which I don't know, Tom, you got concussions playing soccer, didn't you? Uh, yeah, there were a lot of diving into the posts head first and yeah, I had a couple of them actually against, I think it was against Rutgers. I got taken out because Alexi Lalas, who was the, he, he is the big redheaded famous soccer player that's still, uh, commentating on TV, elbowed me in the head. And really? The next, yeah. The next thing you know, I woke up and I was like, uh, carted off the field so yeah had a couple of those so, so you were I out yeah i was out i was out yeah and like as the saying goes out like buster douglas and if you don't know that reference everyone google that one you'll get a laugh out of that <laughs> so so what happened with your concussion how did it happen you didn't dive into a post what happened no no i didn't it's so boring this is like breaking your leg putting on pantyhose no i just was putting stuff in the car and i hit my head i hit it really hard and i knew when i hit it i'd done something bad i knew it when i did so i, I and like 
I thought, well, you know what I'll do? I'll put on a bike helmet. That way I won't hit it again while I'm finishing up what I'm doing. So I wore a bike helmet around for the rest of the day. And I was like, I'd had so many concussions before that I really didn't think it was that big of a deal. And then it put me in the cheap seats. I had three little children. And um, so no time to rest and recover. And it took about 18 months to, it took about 18 months to get better. And it, it rocked my world, man. It wasn't just like, ah, I passed out and I woke up and it was all over. I mean, I, I was down, I was down for the count. So if anyone yeah, knows that. Yeah, proof that Barton was ahead of his time wearing that motorcycle. Totally, he was ahead of his time. Yes. And actually, what I really would like to do is uh, there's this guy, Tim Hightower. You know Tim Hightower, football player? Yeah, sure. He went to Episcopal High School. He's a great guy. I've actually want, I would love to get together with him and create a concussion kit. Because when you get a concussion, what do you do? You go to the doctor, they go, oh, you, know, you don't have any brain bleed. You're fine. You go home, you know, stay away from screens. You'll be all right in a couple of weeks. And when you're not all right in a couple of weeks, you know, too bad for you. But there's nothing. When you break your arm, you put on a cast, right? And everyone doesn't, no one hands you stuff because you get a broken arm, right? No one's going to be like, Can you, hey, Tom, you want to play tennis with your broken arm? They don't, they don't ask you that. But when you actually break your brain, people are still handing you like complex math to do. <laughs> Things like that. So if there was some way to indicate that we all knew like, oh, look, you get that concussion thing on. We now know you're trying to heal from that. And there were things like there was a kit that you could have glasses, some earplugs, maybe a shirt that says, leave me alone, whatever, stuff like that. That's tough. Those, those are all the health issues are tough. They are. They're tough. They're tough. I also had my daughter. I, this is this is crazy. So my second child. I ended up having on the 52nd floor at NBC at Rockefeller, was it Plaza or Senate Rockefeller? What's the big, is that what you Plaza, call it? Plaza, yeah. Yeah, yeah Rockefeller Plaza. Plaza. Yeah, I had to, I, I went there about, I don't know, eight months, seven and seven months and almost eight months pregnant. And I went there for a meeting and some guy, um, what's his name? What was his name? God, I can't remember people's names. Jeff Zucker, that's his name. I had a meeting with this guy, Jeff Zucker, and he, I walked in, he was sitting in this, he's a short man, he was sitting in this white Gandalf chair, this big, tall, back chair, white, all the way up to the top, and here, this short, little kind of balding guy sitting in this chair, and he had a sofa that was tilted back so that your knees were higher than your hips when you sat down for a pregnant girl, that is an awesome look, by the way. And then in the middle of the meeting, I was like, I am in full-blown labor, but I didn't want to say anything to anyone because it's a little awkward and I want to make sure we got the business. So then the meeting, I was like, do we get the business? And he goes, yeah, you got it. I said, good. Can, can we, um, would you mind calling, would you mind calling the ambulance? Then you get to, I need to get to a hospital. <laughs> so my, my daughter was born. That was a little hard because she was born uh, five and a half weeks early, but she ended up being all right. Oh my God. So you mentioned the kids, you have three of them. Tell us how old are they? I do. I, so I have got, I got a um, 15 year old is a girl named Giles. I have a redheaded girl named Rosie or Rosewell and a little nine-year-old boy named McGill. And they're awesome. I also, one day we were driving in the car and I had this cake in the back and I didn't want them to sit in this area. So I said, don't sit there. And they said, why? I said, cause it's your brother Wilbur's seat. And they looked at me they were young. And I said, yeah, Wilbur, he's invisible, but um, 
you can't sit on them anyway. It took root in their head. So I also have Wilbur and he goes to Happy Meadows, which is a boarding school that helps kids with invisibility issues. Um, <laughs> he comes home every couple years, I mean, months, which is kind of fun. And it's only fun that he exists because when McGill was in nursery school, we went to pick him up and he'd done a pic portrait of our family. And he had Wilbur in there, which was really confusing to the teachers. They said, we didn't know you had an older son and McGill was right there. So I said, yep. They said, well, where is he? I said, oh, he's at Happy Meadows. He's a boarding school. We're just all standing there. So yeah, I had four, Wilbur, Giles, Rosie, and, and McGill. Well, I wonder if Wilbur will go to college. Maybe UVA. <laughs> yeah, he's, the cool part about being invisible is you can go whatever college you want. Think about it, you get into all the fraternity parties too, because there's no one to stop you from going in the door. None. There's so many things. There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of good things about being invisible. You know, you do you know what we should do? I'm serious. This is one of this is my this is my next idea for UVA. UVA should take this, and that is we have computers now. You could. You could custom make a diploma. The diplomas don't need to look just like the guy sitting next to you because your experience is so different from the guy sitting next to you. Like so many of us had such different experiences. We were united about by being in the ends together, but we each had very unique experiences. So what if your advisor's job was to sit with you and write the words that should be underneath your diploma? Right. So it's not like I don't know if you've ever read your diploma, but it's very uninspiring. It says the general faculty at the University of Virginia confers upon Tom Hensky this degree. It doesn't even say the general faculty of Virginia is excited about there's no emotion in it. It's just a very blank piece of paper. How cool would it be if the diploma was custom made? It said the faculty is excited about this. Here's the stuff you did. We're proud of you, Tom. You excelled in athletics. You did some great things for the community. You're like, you're a community builder. That's what you are. That's what your strength is in the world. We do hope that you'll come back to Virginia over time and maybe take a class or two in physics or maybe read some, I don't know, fiction, right? We think that there's a deficit in your fiction reading, right? And that this is something that you could, being a lifelong learner, being a, a graduate of this institution and a lifelong learner, here's some areas we think would be kind of cool for you to go into. Best of luck, you know, the faculty. How cool would that be? That would be, that's so awesome. Cause it reminds me when my son graduated high school, he had a graduating class of only 90 kids and it's a small school that the head of the school, when he announced every name for the diploma would use four words to describe each student. Love that, and it, love that. And it was so powerful, you know, I don't know that I agreed with the ones that he picked out for, for my son. Like I was thinking that he should use like drives too fast, eats too much, you know, um, <laughs> like it was like- Doesn't respect his father. But doesn't respect his father. And he's like, and and, uh, and yeah, like, and sleeps too late on like the Sunday afternoons. Right, so, he said he said nice stuff. Yeah, he said nice stuff. I, so it actually opened my eyes to my son to see a different side of him that I think the rest of the world sees, but I guess- living in the same house that might just had a different set. But yeah, I like it. Diplomas that are personalized. There's a, uh, again, the- Yeah, but think about, how, think about how you would feel about your school. And when people walked in, they go, that's your diploma? They actually want to read it? Yeah. It could be so cool. 
It's like, it you, can have it like you can customize it like your website, right? It could have like, that's you, right. You can pick from different. You can pick options. whichever of these Virginia icons you'd like to have on there. All right. So I got to tell you, let me just tell you a couple of things. So I think as people are listening, there were so many cool people who were in the Ms that were just wonderful. Stephen Phelan. I haven't heard him mentioned yet on the podcast. This was, he's, I haven't talked to him since I left Virginia, but I think about him all the time. This is a guy. So he was in the imps. I think he was in the hall. He was a football player. He did not drink all the way through college. I want you to think about that. He did not drink. He didn't make it a big issue or anything, but he was one of the cool guys and he didn't drink. So I just want to put that out there. You can go to school. You can have a decision that you make that that's not going to be your thing. And people still hold you up and love you. And to this day, I admire him to this day. I just think, what, what, what kind of confidence you have to have as a young man to come into an institution and be a part of, you know, communities. I mean, look, the imps, imps drank, a lot of them drank. And I'm sure some of the other organizations he was a part of did too. And, and he didn't, and he wasn't judgmental and self-righteous. He just had made mind up about what he was going to do in this world. And I just, I just admire that guy. I don't know where he is, but he's a part of my life in such a big way. I, I don't know if you know Justin Rosalino. Do you, did you, come on, you're looking at me. I mean, like, oh, wait. could I not know Justin? I would like so much if I could, if I could have one wish before I die, it's that I end up in a room with Justin and Ben and they're singing and they're playing their music because I, I love it. It is, I remember being at a, something after college. I don't even know where we were in some house somewhere outside in Charlottesville and those guys just playing their music and playing their songs. It's just awesome. And I wish, I wish I had more of them. I wish I had more of them. Just so good. And then the other one I haven't heard anyone talk about is David Magoon, who was a king in 2003. No, I might be making that date up sometime in the 2000s. Anyway, he was he was a guy when God was giving out gifts. He gave them all to David. This guy was good looking. He was built like a superhero. He had he was kind and fun. Oh my God, fun. And he went to Harvard medical school afterwards, was at a party, was up on a roof and a girl was cold. And so he said, I'll go down and get you a jacket. And when he went down, he slipped off the ladder and was killed. And do you know, do you know, have you heard this? No, no, I never heard this story. And uh, he was just such a great guy. He was such an incredible guy. And um, anyway, I just want to say his name because he gave a lot to the M society. And it's kind of one of those things I always think about how you have two deaths the day you die. And then the last time someone says your name. So I'm just going to say his name, Dave Magoon, right there. Just throw it out. That's awesome. So good. Um, I wanted to ask you this question. So you, the way you and I got reconnected after college was kind of weird. Um, I saw a TED talk that you gave. And I think it was Girl Up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. Is that how we got reconnected? Really? Yeah, I saw it. I don't know where I saw it. Maybe somebody, it, you didn't post it, but somebody posted or some, I don't know how the hell it, it came up, but, um, and then I'm like, oh my God, I haven't talked to her in years. Like, and I tracked you down and then, uh, in total, like Courtney fashion, you basically said, we got on the phone and you said, okay, Hensky, here's how this conversation is going down. I'm going to talk for five minutes and tell you what I've been up to. You're going to talk for five minutes and tell me what you've been up to. And then we're just going to see where the conversation goes from there. And it was like, my heart was like taken again by you because that is such a Long Island thing to do, right? Just get right down to it. I loved it. 
And like, and I think that's what it was. There was one of, you did two Ted talks. I don't know which would, the one was the one that I saw. There was another one too. It was like you were at SMU. You saw, you saw Girl Up. So I did that one in, um, in Richmond, actually, I think in 2014. And it was because I lived on a, so we, my husband and I lived at Episcopal High School in a freshman boys dorm with, fifth, with 45, 15 year old boys for seven years. And it was amazing. And there were all these great girls that went to that school and they were all shiny and ready to go out into the world, except for it was like they hadn't taken a class on on the things that their mom was supposed to tell them. But their mom just never told them. I guess they were just too busy driving to practices. And I don't know. But there were so many things that these girls didn't know about, I don't know, the power of mystery or trusting your gut or just just about their bodies or about life in general and how to just have kindness and curiosity and and creative spirit and chutzpah and just all of these sort of characteristics that I feel like make life wonderful. And, you know, you could just see people getting serious so quick or feeling stressed because they didn't know what they wanted to do or be. And that's not really what life is all about. And so um, I was lucky enough to get asked to come give a little talk. And that's what that was. It was, it was a 10 minute talk to one girl. Well, uh, that one girl, I know personally, I've sent that off to at least 30 people since I saw that. And it was interesting when I showed it to my daughter and then she met you for the first time when we were in Richmond. I think that's where we, we first, uh, she got to meet you. It was like she met a rock star, right? She saw that. She's like, it was like a, you were a TV star that she was on. And that's I, the way I felt when I met your daughter. <laughs> She showed up with a picture that she'd drawn because of a voicemail that I left you. And I felt like I was meeting a very famous person. I can feel that she's going to be somebody already. Yes. I have it written down this, this year. I think I sent her a Marco Polo earlier. This year is the year that I'm trying to be like your daughter. I want to be a little bit more like her. You'll remember that was Mr. Pickle. That was Mr. Pickle. Mr. Pickle. And we're not, we're not going to tell everyone about Mr. Pickle, but that was a little funny voicemail that you left from me. Mr. Pickle that then we played it at, at Sunday dinner here in the Hensky house and everyone had a great, great laugh. Mr. Pickle, Mr. Pickle. So cool. So now you're in Richmond and so you're super close to Charlottesville. Do you get there? I know you go for some Bodo's runs, right? Probably. Gotta go for Bodo's runs. Go up there for some cross country meets. So both of my daughters are running. And so they got a, they got a, UVA has a great course now, a really, really super good course. So I get up there for that sometimes. And now that your son will be there, I'll have even more reasons to go up because you'll be up there. Jonathan Blank's up there. Yeah, I do get back. It's awesome. I was there about a, maybe three weeks ago. I was taking some friends up to see the school because their sons are kind of getting to that looking at college age. And we walked around and it was fun. But then when we were walking, I thought, you know, looking at a school doesn't give you like it doesn't capture it. So I made them come to the front, not the lawn, but the front part, kind of near the chapel, right there near the chapel, that these big, beautiful trees. And I was like, all right, everybody stop. We're not getting in the car and going home. You're going to lie down right here and just stare up at the trees. And we're doing this for 30 minutes. We're just going to lie here, listen to the sounds, look at the trees. Because when you're looking at colleges, you can't just go look at the buildings. You can't just go sort of walk around. There are no students here now. You got to just lie here, like feel the breeze, feel the weather. Look at the way the light changes. Listen to the sounds that are there. That's how you're going to know that you just like feel at home and at peace in some place. So we just lay there in the grass for about 30 minutes 
And either those boys I brought thought that was the weirdest thing they'd ever done, or they'll lie down at every college they go visit. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like you stole the thunder on that last question that I always ask, which is if you were you know, at UVA today and speaking to the current imps, what piece of information would you give them? I mean, that's like, that's kind of, that's really like, when you think about it, that's a really good piece of advice to just soak things in, right? That's a really good piece. I, I, you asked, you asked what your favorite IMP word is on some other of these. And I, I, Cole Kelly stole imperfect, which I think is a perfectly imperfect word. I love it. But improvise would be the second one I would choose because because you can't plan it all out. It doesn't work the way you plan it out. You got to just show up with all that you got, whatever energy you have. I think this isn't advice to anyone out there. It's just sort of the way I like to come with the world. You got to show up. You got to be there in the moment and then make it happen with whatever you got there. And if all you have is some trees and some green grass, you lie down in it. Enjoy it. Well, you've been improvising the whole way through and doing a Darn good job doing it, kid. I tell you, I I started off this conversation saying you're my bestie and uh, you're like the person that I go to and I just need a dose of reality um, and a dose of practicality and just a little bit of love. And uh, you've been amazing to not just me, to a lot of people, a lot of people. And this podcast, this interview, just in my mind, it just summarizes who you are. Like you're fun. Uh, you enjoy life. It's not a straight line up. Uh, you said that earlier, but you improvise along the way. And it's just, you're amazing. You're an amazing person. Oh, I'm going to put the check in the mail for you saying that you missed a couple of the lines I wanted you to read. You got to hit amazing a little harder though next time. Right. Amazing. <laughs> hey, amazing. Here's the deal. If you're still listening and you ever come near Richmond, Virginia, I live at seven Maple Avenue and your bedroom is ready and waiting for you. We have supper every night. Come on and join us. Cause whoever you are that's listening, I bet I miss you. And I think this is such a cool, um, I just have to say for Tom again, thank you for reconnecting all of us and for bringing a little bit of impish delight back in each one of our lives. I'm, I'm, proud of a handful of things. And one of them is being associated with this group and these people. So thank you for doing it, Tom. Courtney, you're the best. Imp Nation, you just heard an imp legend the last hour. This was awesome. If you have any things you need from me, just reach out in the emails that I sent off. And by the way, Courtney mentioned a bunch of people that I don't think are on our distribution list. So if you find out that you have an imp friend who's not getting the podcast or the emails or whatever we're doing, let me know. Let me include them. I know, Courtney, when you and I get off the line here, I'm going to ask you for a few of the contact information for a couple of people that you mentioned. Perfect. And Tom, are you ever going to sing any good imp songs? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to end your show with a, with a good uh, marching song for everyone just to bring it home? Yeah, you know, I got to think about that. I'll tell you what, I'll commit to doing one later in like a couple of episodes because I need to practice. It's like the dirty joke banquet. So I need to practice. I mean, right now I don't like lyrics aren't coming to mind, but the beat of um shakalaka, 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 umba um, like that comes to mind just because yeah. we're about the soccer parties. But let, let me do a little work on that. And I'll promise information I'll come back to you since uh, you my voice is, my singing voice is phenomenal. 
uh, insert uh, sarcasm there. So, um, and I'll, I'll commit to doing that. Maybe, maybe I'll do it at a time where we get an imp who actually has a good voice and we'll have like a sing-off. Yeah, Charles Way, there you go. Oh God, no, I can't beat that guy. <laughs> All right, Imp Nation, it was great talking to you. Courtney, you're the best. You're the best, Tom. All right, T-Ski. Take care. Talk to you later, Imp Nation. Bye-bye. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense. C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.